Great. So if somebody has a podcast, not an idea, but a podcast, and it's a, like a regular uh, talking mm-hmm. podcast and not an audio drama podcast, and they already know how to produce it, but they just don't want to, um, can, <laughs> they, can they pay you to do it? If they want to actually pay me, sure, I'll find a way to do it. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we'll talk later after the show. I, I, might, I might know somebody in that situation. <laughs> Nerdburger is an Ando Valentine production. <laughs> Episode 408. It's a podcast with a couple of overworked content creators. <laughs> Boy, I'm, don't I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mike. And I am Ando. Welcome back, Ando. Thank you, Mike. As always, as always, always, I am so happy to be here. Rocking out to my music when I can hear it over myself. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. It has... uh, Here we are. We're in 2021 now. Holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. Time is actually moving forward. That's... Imagine that. Jeez. (laughs) Is it moving forward at a consistent rate, though? I don't know. Remains uh, to be seen. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as it picks a speed and sticks with it, that would be a change. The yeah, whole seriously. speeding up, slowing down thing. Ugh. So what's up, Ando? How are you doing? Oh well, actually, um, you know, not. I, I've I've been having a pretty decent past few days, to be honest. It's uh, kind of just hoping to hit 2021 running and uh and have a have a better year than last year because i mean not that the bar is very high on that yeah we shall see indeed and of course probably uh no no shocker that uh that that i'm as you were alluding to the uh the whole content creation and 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 projects i've got few things that i'm hoping to work on this year so uh <laughs> just a few well i mean i don't want to overdo it i still have you know i i still have a big an overall project that's kind of the big thing but i've got a couple of smaller things that are uh trying to creep up on me so uh we can talk about those didn't we tease one of those things last time did we i can't remember did we? we might have well yeah i think that was the episode title the other AV- avp Oh, right, right. Because I, I keep saying we're going to talk about AVP and we keep not talking. Yeah, about it. this is twice now we've put it off. We've teased it. Well, then so that we don't lose track of it, let me just hit it now. Yes. Then. What is the other AVP? So aside from Aliens versus Predator, which this is not, and aside from my initials, which true, but also it is not. Um, <laughs> Depending on AVP, like how, you know, you view time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. um uh, this AVP that I've been teasing now is for Ando Valentine Productions. Ando Valentine Productions? What's that? 
<laughs> well, um, uh, anyone who has listened to even one episode of Shadows of a Dark Past all the way through and listened to the uh, the entirety of the wonderful theme song Crimson Crescent that my friend Michael composed for it may have heard uh, various people, depending on what episode you're listening to, saying Shadows of a Dark Past is an Ando Valentine production. And it is. Yes. And because you're Ando Valentine. I, exactly. And I produced it. And it's not the only thing that I want to produce. Oh, yeah. And so Ando Valentine Productions is something I am slowly working on spinning up. I started it last year. Um, and the uh, general idea behind it is that if people have a podcast idea, especially an audio drama, um, and they want to produce it, but don't really know how, don't have the resources, don't have the know-how, don't have the connections. And basically, it's like, I would if I could, but I don't know how, so I'm just not going to. I can help. And a Valentine Productions is intended to be that sort of help. And it can be anything from hiring me to talk, you know, about podcasts with you to help you get advice and then kind of send you on your way to a level of helping get things started, connecting you with connections I have at this point through the audio drama uh, industry and community, because I know a lot of people at this point, um, including actors and crew, um, all the way up to potentially like saying, hey, I just want to hire you to literally help me produce it and I'll even be part one of the production team and and be part of the team with with you um and uh also if someone is like hey i'd like to get involved in podcasts as a crew member or cast or something like that but i don't really have my own idea i just want to join up with somebody else i want you or at least i want to talk to you <laughs> i want to at least talk um i, I oh. guess i should be clear that there is you know i am going to be discerning and make sure it's a good fit but the point is i am looking to be more than just you know it's not just me the team uh, there is a team i already have you know there's there's three of us on the team right now you can read about us on our website at andovalentineproductions.com and um so this is something that i'm doing slowly because because I don't want to overwhelm myself, of course, but like I've talked to several other people who are not technically part of the team, but who are interested in like, you know, being contacts for me. And like, I've got enough people that if somebody really wanted me to help them get their show off the ground at this point, I could probably do it. Um, yes, I'm going to be honest at the front. My intention is this would be a hiring thing. It was my intention is this would be uh, paying gigs, but you know, we can still talk. I'm still, this is still early. <laughs> I'm still willing to talk. Awesome. I was thinking we need to uh, Photoshop up a uh, a poster like the Uncle Sam, but with your face. Saying, <laughs> I, I want, want you. you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, the the is uh, aside from me and Katie May, the other team member is Trace Callahan, who is the uh, composer of the not. Uh, basically, my friend Michael uh, composed the theme song of shadows of a dark past and all of the other music that's like in the episodes the mood music and everything that is trace callahan and they are an excellent outstanding composer and on the adp team so if you like the music of of shadows of a dark past then the composer of that music is part of adp cool <laughs> and they also have their their, their, their work on the uh, this planet needs a name is another podcast that they work on that's worth checking out as well it's very good great so if somebody has a podcast, not an idea, but a podcast, and it's a, like a regular uh, talkie mm -hmm. podcast and not an audio drama podcast, and they already know how to produce it, but they just don't want to, um, can, <laughs> they, can they pay you to do it? 
if they want to actually pay me, sure, I'll find a way to do it. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, we'll talk later after the show. I, I, might, I might know somebody in that situation. <laughs> Nerd Burger is an Ando Valentine production. <laughs> you get both. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Why? Well, I have so much, so much more ease in reaching the drums now off to my left since uh, uh, New Year's Eve. December 31st, 2020, um, mm-hmm. when I sat down in, in this chair and the, um, the arm just fell off the, <gasps> oh, left, the left arm just crashed off the chair. Yikes. That was fun. I bet it was <laughs> <laughs> not bad for, um, an almost eight year old chair that Craig found next to the dumpster at, at his apartment complex. You're right. That is not bad for an eight-year-old chair that was found by a dumpster. Yep. B- busted <laughs> off out. at not one, but two welds. Wow. Yeah, maybe I need to lose more weight this year. <laughs> so there was a chair. Speaking of chairs and and the breaking thereof, um, there was a chair that my family had since I was like literally a child. Um, but it was one of those chairs that just looks like it's, you know, I mean, not to date myself too much, but I was born in the early 1980s. And, you know, there is something to be said for the whole they don't make them like they used to, you know, gripe about many things these days. And there was a chair that we had that it was very simple. It had no arms. It was just, you know, the seat and a back. Okay. And it was one of those that was clearly made of like a solid, sturdy wood. The legs were just four uh, wooden pegs that came out of it with you know metal tips and the and it's like there was this awful olive green faux leather covering on the seat in the back but it had this plain uh plain wood curved part that kind of was behind your lumbar but it went back like you didn't have any you weren't it wasn't like support that wooden wasn't there supporting you it was just supporting the shape of the chair sure so it had uh it had like the seat cushion and a back cushion that were separate and and in in right. between the space you saw that that curved wood uh, yeah, and it was a little curved wood. This and sounds it like a curved. nice chair that if you upul- reupholstered it in something a little bit more modern, uh, that that you, that would have been too bad. Yeah. Maybe refinish the wood, like you know that that's a chair you'd want in your in your living room. Yeah, yeah, and and, and again. It, it was not exactly, you know, very fancy or pretty, but it was functional and it looked really sturdy because the thick wood, you know, solid wood didn't look like plywood. You right. know, everything it, looked pretty good. Was it you know? comfortable too? It did de- de- decently, decently. Mostly. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so back uh, during the time when I was running D and D for m- the the epic campaign I've talked about several times that ran for over five years, um, d- it was when Katie May and I were living in Woodstock and we had run it in our basement. And I sat in that chair that became my DM chair oh. for our D and D group. But I also am one of those people that I fidget a lot anyway. And when I'm in chairs that don't have a way to pivot swivel or roll around which this was a stationary chair with no movement inherent whatsoever that's when i go for the whole lean back on the back two legs oh no and okay there's two there's two things that can go wrong here i'm thinking I'm wondering which one it and is. And I used so I used to be because I would sit for running D and D with you know and right in front of a wall at the table. I would like get in a mode where I didn't need to run anything for them, and I'd lean back against the wall on the back two legs of the chair, but with the back of the chair leaning against the wall. And I did that for years until one day <laughs> I was leaning back in that chair, and I just heard this big splintering crack, and 
unceremoniously the curve in the curved wooden part just gave way that did and, not the back two legs oh because nope. yeah because i was thinking well it's either it's either the one or the other and then you said i leaned back on the back two legs and i was like oh the legs broke off or one of nope. one of the legs broke off wow the curved the back, part broke the curved part broke and splintered and so the back of the so it's like basically it became a stool with a bit of splintered wood sticking out of one side of it oh because the the entire back just splintered and fell off and <laughs> and so, were you injured no i wasn't injured Luckily, because it happened check. as i was leaning back it just cracked and so i wasn't injured i didn't fall i hadn't gotten oh off so it just it. it just broke in place leaning against the wall and you were just kind of like uh what well do do it now? broke as i was trying to make the motion of leaning back into the wall so it broke and i kind of stumbled back against the wall a bit but not like in a oh, caught you yourself know. okay yeah, yeah. And of course, this was in the middle of a session, so everyone at the table then turns to look at me. He's like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yes, I just need to fix. I just need a new chair now." Aw. Well, you wore it out. I did. <laughs> Can't say you didn't use it. <laughs> it. Well, and it lasted a really long time because yeah, it lasted yeah. from my childhood into you know my adulthood. How long ago was this? That probably happened maybe, gosh, trying to think of it. We moved into that house in early 2010, so it probably would have been like uh, maybe 2012, something, 2012 or 13, something like that. So a good, good 30 years on the chair. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. It was not exactly a young chair, but it's not like I had any in- indication it was going to crack it. You know, I didn't hear any splinters before it, it just actually went, splintered. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Thank you for listening to <laughs> My Chair Broke <laughs> by Mike and Ando on Nerdburger Show and Ando Valentine Production, possibly <laughs> in the future. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. We'll talk. I'm not kidding either. <laughs> you will. <laughs> oh, do you have GarageBand, I assume? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I mean, technically, because GarageBand, I mean, it comes with the, yeah, but I I actually um, use Audacity, not GarageBand for my stuff. And um, yeah, I was wondering about that for the thing we're going to do later. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do later, Ando? Well, I mean, (laughs) as long as you can export as a WAV file, then we're good. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought maybe you you had like a, you know, a kind of a guide for all all of your... um, (laughs) voice actors that that said you know use this and export as that and have these settings and oh my gosh no well if I, <laughs> most of the i have audacity if it's with. safer for me to use audacity today i, I don't really care what you use to record as long as you can export as a wave okay which we'll get there <laughs> we'll get there <laughs> well isn't that what we're talking about next i thought we were going news next oh okay yeah we could do that. Yeah. Let's do news. Let's do news. What's news, Ando? Well, it's not very happy news, but it is relevant news. Oh, no. To, uh, is it to me? Is it that kind of sad news? Unfortunately, yes. Um, it is. A, it is a death. Uh, I would say celebrity death. I don't know if you still count her as a celebrity. Oh, sure. But this one in particular is is um, important to me. Um Last night or or yesterday, um, 
we well as of the recording so that's january 8th that this happened um one of the actresses from the tv show dark shadows passed away oh no um twas diana malay um who she played a recurring character named laura and the reason that this is important to me as a Dark Shadows fan, I mean, not only just she was in Dark Shadows as a you know, recurring character, but also Laura holds a special place in Dark Shadows in that um, she was, at, you know, every, anyone who knows anything about Dark Shadows and especially hearing me rant about Dark Shadows knows that, you know, it was just a, a gothic spooky soap opera until they added the vampire Barnabas Collins. That is kind of not really true and it overlooks uh, an important factor, which was even before Barnabas was introduced, the character of Laura was introduced. And in a move that has strangely not been replicated in any sort of like fantasy or horror stuff I'm aware of since, she was a phoenix, which a phoenix is literally my favorite mythical beast. And so she played a character that even though she was human, every so every hundred years, she would be consumed in flames and then reborn. And so the thing with her was that in order to make the character a threat besides her to herself was that she always wanted to take her children with her to be reborn in the flames. And so that's what made her a villainous character. And she came back. I think she was in she was uh, in a total of three arcs and um her first one was pre-barnabas and so even before there was a vampire in the show there was a phoenix and you don't see phoenixes portrayed very much in modern cinema outside of you know harry potter and then it's the bird and not like a person who is personifying that concept of an eternal soul who must be reborn in flames every so often. Yeah. That's like a, that's a super old school native American kind of mythology thing happening there. It is. It is. It's really cool. Way, way, way more obscure than vampires. Exactly. Vampires, (laughs) werewolves, ghosts, uh, even the Frankenstein monster, the idea of a created being like any of those things that dark shadows, I won't call ripped off, but copied employed. Um, All of those things are very common tropes that have, that are used and reused over and over again, not phoenixes. And that is to me, one of the most unique things that dark shadows ever did. And so for that reason, I think Diana Millay deserves a lot of credit for even predating Barnabas as a supernatural villain on the show. And so for that reason, she's awesome. And then the actress did a great job <laughs> as as the Phoenix. She was she was very good and chilling in the way that she would, you know, do her her evil stuff. So um, so basically, we miss you. Rest in peace, Stein Emily. She was in her mid 80s. So, you know, not that she didn't have a full life. She was well liked. And as I was talking to Mike about this before the show, even when I was looking for articles about her, uh, looking her up on Twitter, found a picture of her with William Shatner from 1964 <laughs> when they were both on an episode of ten, some TV show. It wasn't even Dark Shadows or Star Trek because neither existed at that point. Yep. So it's just it's really cool to 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 see, you know, to see that. And so. R.I.P. Dynamalay. Yep. So, Mike, what's news with you? Yeah, what else is news? Oh, no, not another one. Oh, God. This is the depressing episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know who Tanya Roberts is? 
Anya Roberts, the name sounds familiar, rings a bell, and I'm guessing since you're playing the MASH theme that we're, uh, <laughs> that she was involved with MASH. I don't think so. That's just the oh. Dead Celebrity, th- dead oh, okay, celebrity gotcha. theme. Um, well, I uh, no, you, you probably, every, anybody listening to this probably knows her best as um, uh, from her role on That 70s Show. Mm. She played Midge Pinciotti, Donna's mom. I only saw a little bit of that 70s show, so I'm not really very up on it. That's okay. But, she yes. was um, also a uh, a Bond girl in A View to a Kill. Yeah. And she was um, in the last season of Charlie's Angels as one of the angels. Wow. All, like, all three of these things that you said she's in are either franchises or TV shows that I have seen but did not see her entries right. into them. Because I've seen a lot of James <laughs> Bond movies. I've seen some Charlie's Angels. And I've seen um, – shoot, what did you just say? That 70s show. Yeah, the 70s, I've seen some of all of those things, just not her. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yes, it says uh, here that um, collapsed on – Christmas Eve at her home after taking her dogs for a walk mm. and died after being taken to a hospital and put on a ventilator. It was not COVID-related. She was reportedly healthy leading up to her death. Oh, wait. Nope. Um, update. Uh, Tanya Roberts has not died, according to TMZ. News of the actress's purported death was reported uh, after Mike Pingle, Roberts' rep, incorrectly announced that she passed away at 65. Huh. Yeah, he told uh, TMZ that he received a call Monday from her husband uh, saying that she is, in fact, still alive. So that's great. That's great. She didn't die. Oh, 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 wait again. No, she did die. Jeez. Yeah, uh, she didn't. She did, in fact, uh, die later that night on uh, at Cedar sinai Hospital. Wow. That's that's one of those double whammies, you know, you get it's not uncommon for there to be celebrity death hoaxes, but then to have a celebrity death hoax that's followed by the actual celebrity death is. <laughs> well, it wasn't a hoax. It was a misreport, but it was misreported by her husband, who then corrected the misreport to to uh, state that, yes, she had indeed died. What the hell wow. was he thinking? Here's the person who's, you know, with her at the hospital, presumably closest to her, and he doesn't know what's going on. I'm. The, the the yeah i don't i don't think any of these articles that i have uh, uh have any idea what what actually happened jeez <laughs> yeah and even this latest report is uh is a doc he said he said that a doctor uh called him uh monday night to tell him that that she had in fact died for real the second time so who knows she might be alive again let's hope we need so updated info <laughs> <laughs> jeez but, uh, what a roller coaster. Boy, yeah. I uh I like that 70s show. That was a good show. I wasn't I really think... uh, you know that uh, those characters were were older than me. I was alive in the 70s in Wisconsin. <laughs> but uh, I can't I can't relate to anything that actually happened on that show. Yeah, see, that's the thing since I was born in the early 80s, it's not like I have the nostalgia factor and even though I do love like TV shows and movies from before I was born. And so I could, you know, I like retro culture and I could probably appreciate a lot of the stuff in that 70s show. I was not old enough when it started to be able to properly appreciate it. And my parents didn't really care for it. And so it's just been one of those shows that, that 
became an obscurity to me where I know everyone else liked it, but like, I never really got into it, but I don't blame that on the show. And it's like, maybe one day if I have like, you know, the inclination, I'll give it a shot, but <laughs> I, I've, I've heard good things about it, of course. And I know I like some of the people that came, you know, actors that came out of it, got their start there and stuff. Yeah. I was thinking, trying to think about, um, it's like well, the most famous ones I think are Ashton Kutcher it, and uh, Mila Kunis both came yes, out of there. Yes. I mean, I know Kurtwood Smith was in it, but he was already famous before. He was already that. famous before. And um, Laura Prepon went yeah, on to be. Yeah, she kind of got her start there too, didn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Did, she, yeah. she was in, uh, what is it, Orange is the New Black? Yeah. Yeah. She was in Orange is the New Black. Um, yeah. But everybody. Oh, well, no. The guy that played Fez is uh, he's on NCIS now. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> And, um, but like Topher Grace, the the main character, Eric Foreman, the guy who, you know, pulled a, uh, Richie Cunningham and left the show that he was the main character on to pursue his movie career. And then he just disappeared. What's he been in? Nothing I've seen. Uh, have you not seen American Ultra? No. What's that? American Ultra is uh, one of my favorite action movies now. Um, it's, it stars Jesse Eisenberg and Kristen Stewart as the main like characters, but, um, Topher Grace is, uh, one of the, one of the primary, like, uh, other characters and he is great in it. So basically American ultra is, is like, imagine the born concept, the Jason Bourne concept of not being aware of the fact that you are an enhanced super soldier, except instead of forgetting that because of being shot and having physical or, medical trauma or having your brain you, you know your your uh, memories erased instead <laughs> kind of he's a like, stoner he's just a stoner <laughs> it's an action comedy stoner it's a stoner action comedy okay movie and if you i'm not sure if you've ever seen this because i try to show it to people um there's a there's a hilarious like 20 minute youtube video called wrestling isn't wrestling that i love to show people and it's by this director named max landis max landis is the one who directed american ultra and and it's basically all of the action movie tropes and it's i say it's a comedy it's a comedy that like it's one of the satires that it's not that it's played for direct yucks. It's not that there's jokes so much as it's so over the top. You can see it's making fun of the action movie genre. Okay. Now I remember, I remember seeing this when it, or hearing about it when it came out. I, I well, I will tell it you, it is one of my favorite action movies of all time. I highly recommend it. And Topher okay. Grace is great in it. Okay. No, I, I Bill Paxton is also great in it. Too, yeah, it's got briefly. a great, it's got a great cast. Um, yeah. Connie Britton, uh, yeah, John Connie Leguizamo, Britton is so good in this. Tony one. Hale, yeah, yeah, Tony Hale. I love Tony Hale in it too. He's so great. <laughs> the the cast is wonderful. Um, yeah, it says Max Landis wrote it. Yeah, so somebody else directed it. Oh, okay, he wrote um, it. My bad. Yeah, no. To- I, the only thing I've ever seen Topher Grace in, and this was during. Well, there was two. One was during that '70s show, which was um, was it called? Oh, what was it called? It was the it was the movie where every about drugs, <laughs> like a Michael Douglas movie. I can't even remember the name of it. Was it Traffic? Was that the one? Um. Anyway, to he, IMDb, he played like a, uh, it was like a high school senior or a college freshman sophomore, like in that age, and the, like he and all of all of his friends were doing cocaine and 
and something bad happened. I don't remember. He was good. And then after that 70s show, he was in one of those Spider-Man movies as the... Uh, oh, that's right. The, he was Eddie Brock. He was the evil Spider-Man, the black goose. He was Venom. Venom, that's it. Yeah, yeah. He was Eddie Brock. That's okay. who he was in yeah. Spider-Man 3. Oh, yeah. Cousin the, Eddie. The Tobey Maguire one. The one with the uh, emo Spider-Man. You know? Yeah. That was the last Tobey Maguire one, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. it was. And there's probably a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that seems like... a. Uh, Ages ago, there have been two reboots well, since then. Especially since you, you know the the news that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are, are going to be in the new Spider-Man movie with Tom Holland. <laughs> are those you know about this right? No. Yeah, all, like so the new Tom Spider- Holland Spider-Man. Guy, mo- huh? All three Spider-Men are in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, like Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to be in the Tom but, Holland Spider-Man. But they're not. Movie they're too. not playing other versions of Spider-Man, I, are they? I. Th- I think just, they are really kind of like the whole into the spider verse thing not, happening. oh okay i I, was, I I thought you were going with they're just going to be you know silly cameos no i think it's like actually a, a multiverse thing kind of like into the spider verse except you know with with marvel trying to do it this time instead of you know the into the spider verse people okay i thought you were gonna which do, that was an amazing good movie by the way toby mcguire is just like a you know like a like a hot dog vendor on the street <laughs> on the street corner that happens to talk to spider-man <laughs> He's Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, you have to you have to explain Glenn's backstory to me later. <laughs> well, that's a good segue into this next thing. It though. is. Well, who's Glenn? <laughs> well, so I, I, I'm not going to be coy about it. So it's it is it's 2021. It's January. It's time to talk some some shadows of a dark past. Now we said in my last recording that by the time I came on again, the first season should all be finished, should all be live, and we were not going to give you any warning. You know, that was your last spoiler warning because we're going to talk about it. And then December happened. And December just was kind of a, a you know, I, I don't want to get into gory details, but basically December was a, a down month. We had a, essentially a bit of a hiatus on the production team. And so, unfortunately, even as of the beginning of January, the first season is not completely live um a couple of days ago as of recording this the fourth interlude aired that leaves episodes nine and ten and interlude five were still remaining to be aired um it is genuine hope that that will happen this month and so mike and i have already decided that we've what we've decided here is we're going to cover the first half of the season today talk about it and then by my next appearance in february we'll have um Hopefully the first season will then be complete and we'll finish talking about it. So we're going to go into um, Shadows of a Dark Past now, shall we? Do you want to uh, say anything about season two before we jump into first half of season one? Yeah, let me go ahead and and, and talk about that. So uh, season one, even though, as I just said, we haven't finished the the airing of it. I think I've been open from the beginning that we recorded the entire first season, like over the end of 19 and beginning of 2020. Um, really, it was all of at nine, 18 and 19, my bad. Um, and we're doing the same thing for season two. I've written the entire season for season two, gone through my revisions. We're more than halfway through rehearsing. I've already had several rehearsal sessions and we are going to start recording. Um, the first recording session is already scheduled for the third week of January. So awesome. we will begin. We'll begin doing that. It'll be probably a slow process gathering everyone's audio. Um, 
And so that means that uh, we've already cast the characters that are in the second season that were not in the first. Um, I've alluded to it a little bit, but since we're going to be talking uh, more in depth today, uh, I'll point out that one of the characters that's been talked about in the first season, but has not appeared in the first season is Toby Clayton's sister, Alex, um, and, and Alex's girlfriend, Haley. And these two characters are going to be in the second season. And I've already cast them. They're amazing, amazing actresses. And I cannot wait for everyone to get to hear them. And the other thing I really wanted to bring up for the second season is that there are some extras in the second season. I didn't really have any like unnamed or even just small time extras in the first season. You know, it's just the, the main cast. But we've got a few extras in the second season, and it's already been slightly talked about. So I'm going to go ahead and confirm for listeners that um, Mike, uh, the host of Nerdburger, is going to be one of said extras. Yay! Um, this you're not an unnamed extra. You are. We we <laughs> sort of we we had our fun uh, last year or year before talking about the whole oh, My name is Glenn, but it actually became so much fun <laughs> that I decided to go with it. So yes. <laughs> No, Mike is going to be an extra named Glenn. Yeah, there's um, a character named Glenn. <laughs> yes. And um, as a matter of fact, we're, we've got the plans that after we finish recording this episode, um, once the Zoom call, uh, I mean, once, once the Nerdburger is done, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, lay down Mike's audio for Glenn. So we're going to go again and get that Yay. recorded. Is that going to be the first thing recorded for yes. season two? Really? It wasn't the th- originally the, the 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 session that I set up for later in January. I was thinking that was going to be the first, but since we're going to go ahead and lay this down, you become the first thing I have. Wow! So the beginning of the the origins of the recordings of season two are happening literally today. So there you go. Um, but I said there are multiple extras, and there are, and you aren't the only established podcaster. I'm not going to say celebrity, but established podcaster that is going to be voicing an extra in Shadows of the Dark past season two. And I've kept it slightly on the deal until I got all of the, um, all of the confirmations back. But at this point, everybody that I've talked to is, uh, is on board. So I'm going to go ahead and drop these. Um, there are two other extras that I needed to cast, and I got established podcasters for both of them as well. Um, in interlude four of season two, there's going to be um, – an unnamed extra who is going to be voiced by Justin McLaughlin, who is the uh, producer and lead voice actor of the podcast EOS 10. Okay. Um, Which if you haven't heard of that one is a sci-fi comedy podcast. I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. it is incredible. It is one of the shows that inspired me to make shadows of a dark past. That's why I wanted him to be one of the extras. He has graciously agreed to do it. So he's one of them. Awesome. Love some sci-fi comedy. Mm-hmm. And to me, one of the uh, and the other one, um, very exciting news that in episode eight of season two, there's going to be a doctor who is voiced by Sarah Ray Werner, who is not only the creator and producer, but of course, also the lead voice actress of the podcast Girl in Space, which is another sci fi drama podcast. The reason this one is so exciting is not only was Girl in Space another of the podcasts that inspired me to make, <laughs> you know, Shadows of a Dark Past, so same reasons. But also she Girl in Space is a podcast that a lot of us in the audio drama community look at as one of the first to get big, wide recognition 
but it started as a small thing because Sarah just does all of it herself. It is a completely independent show that she runs herself. And it kind of blew up because she's awesome. And so it's Girl in Space is this poster podcast for many of us who are like, we just want to be the next girl in space, you know? <laughs> and so the fact that the creator of Girl in Space is going to voice an extra in the second season of my show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> awesome. That's really cool. So I know it's to... going to be a long time before these episodes go live, but there are three established podcasters who are voicing um, extras in season two of Shadows of a Dark Past, and I am thrilled. They are happening. It's real. It is. It is confirmed. Awesome. How did and you, you manage... heard it here first? How did you manage to swing uh, getting getting those two? I mean, me, you know. Eh, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm always talking <laughs> to you. It's 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 it was just luck i um i reached out on twitter because i'm following both of them and the reason that i had any sort of hope that it that it could both of them while i am looking at them as established podcasters are also still kind of you know they're independent they're down-to-earth people they're not like very full of themselves they're both really really sweet nice people and there had been a tweet on twitter that i'd responded to months ago um that just asked you know name three podcasts that inspired you and, you know, tag them and tell why they inspired you. And I named three of them, two of them being Girl in Space and EOS 10. And I tagged them um, in my tweet saying, you know, these were instrumental in me deciding to do my own podcast. I love the show, the the direction, the acting, all that kind of stuff. Both Sarah and Justin responded to that tweet with, a, oh, thank you. You're so nice type stuff. And I'm like, oh, they're paying attention. They're paying attention. They actually see. Senpai noticed me. Senpai noticed me. Oh, my God. And so when I was like trying to think of who I was wanting to voice these extras, I'm like, I wonder if I could get any of my, you know, any of my sort of senpais to do this. And I just sent private and you know, direct messages over Twitter to, to both of them kind of expecting that I either wouldn't hear back at all or that like months later I'd get a, Oh, Hey, sorry, I don't do these kinds of things or I'm too busy. You know, any of those kind of things um, in particular with Sarah Warner, because um, the news recently was dropped that girl in space is getting adapted into a movie. Oh boy. Exactly. And she's busy with that. So I'm like, I kind of have expected that it would be one of those, Oh, I'm so touched. Thanks, but no thanks on both of them sure. or at least one of them or just not hearing anything. But like within a couple of days, Sarah was like, oh, I'd love to do that. That's really cool. Sure. What would you like me to do? And I'm like, oh, she did it. She said so. <laughs> and then literally this past week was when Justin McLaughlin reached out and he said that he that like I had bad timing if I had sent my message to him right as he was getting over being sick and he just hadn't been in his Twitter DMs. But he saw it. And he was like, if you still want me to be in it, I'm down. What do you want me to do? So I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. They're on board. Sweet. So, so he did. He did see it later or get back to yeah. you later but it was positive it, yeah and it was it, well and i was thinking it might be like six months or it would be too late and i'd already cast somebody else for it or something but like i hadn't tried to get anybody else to do it i was waiting to try and see how things would shake out with them and so both of them got back to me and both of them agreed i'm just so excited that's great <laughs> <You> can't tell <laughs> not at all yeah well it's a good thing neither neither one of them uh ha has gotten a, a, a big head like me and uh you know, <laughs> didn't, didn't bother uh, getting back to you. No. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. Well, I was <laughs> chuckling, but I was winding down the chuckling. Plus, I was trying not to belch right into the microphone. I kind of thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> well, that's okay. We have we have sound effects for that. <laughs>
I don't have any of them handy right now. But um, anyway, yeah, so cool. Wow. So that's about season two. Real guest stars. Yeah. And appropriately, I guess it shouldn't be surprising to you that I'm wearing Ooh, my Shadows of a Dark Past shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Had to wear it today. Did I get mine yet? No. Uh, the only person besides me who currently has ordered a Shadows of a Dark Past shirt is the actress who is going to be voicing Alex Clayton, who ordered one right after I put them live. Although if you're if by that you're starting to think, hmm, maybe I should order one, which I encourage you to do. Actually, if you can... <laughs> There is the, the merch store that I use, T Public, is putting all of our merch on sale this week, starting on like Wednesday or something. Oh, so basically, like if you're this, interested uh, in getting a Shadows posts. of a Dark hmm? the day this episode posts, I think so. So basically, if you're interested in getting a Shadows of a Dark Past t shirt, then later this week they're going on sale and they'll be cheaper. And I can tell you, this is not just me you know promoting my own merchandise, this is legitimately this t shirt is one of the softest t shirts I own. <laughs> it is incredibly comfortable and like the logo is not like all doesn't feel crunchy. like a sticker yeah it doesn't feel like a sticker it's like painted on and it's just so easy to wear it's very very comfortable so like i not just for the sake that it's got my show's like logo on it and there is another shirt with a different logo the postcard image you can oh, get cool. the shirt with that too but anyway all this stuff's going to be cheaper and on sale later this week so so if they go to shadows uh, or was soadp.com uh, well uh, our merch store is through t public so actually um, go at this point i mostly point people towards our podchaser link and on podchaser it's got a tab that's got our merch on it that that takes you straight there so basically podchaser.com slash soadp podcast okay cool no i think um assuming that i i was supposed to be getting a t-shirt I, it was probably just uh a, a leftover from um the indiegogo campaign because there mm. was so much stuff in there that you could have gotten and, and i and i signed up to get it all and so i i think i just assumed that a t-shirt was coming at me at me anyway mm. well I, unfortunately maybe, not. not but there is <laughs> okay there well, is I'll more get, that I'll is go. coming at you yeah no no i knew there was still some stuff left yeah hanging I'm working out there on it <laughs> okay no that's fine no i'll uh yeah okay mental note mike go to that uh that uh website andrew just said I'll, buy yeah, yourself I'll a send you the link because that way you can you know give it to everybody else too that's true right. yeah check the check the link on, yeah check the link in the description on, on, on the uh episode uh description there sweet t-shirts love them all right so let's talk about shadows of the dark past first season season first half season one first half yeah yeah so for the purposes of anyone who you know we goodness knows we have given you so much warning if you still are not caught up on shadows of a dark past and you want to avoid spoilers you really need to stop right the hell now because we are about to start talking actual plot content so um spoilers spoiler spoilers <laughs> there's your warning Yep, here we this go. This is your last spoiler alert because we are about to dive in. So today, since we have not finished um, the second season or the first season being live, we're going to talk about the first half of the first season. We're going to cover episodes one through five. That includes interludes one and two as well. Okay. Um, just as a sort of to, to bring listeners up to date to what we were talking about with this. Um, if by now you may notice that the episodes follow a pattern 
um, in Shadows of a Dark Past. I have what I refer to as cadences. A cadence being a musical term, if you're not familiar with it, it's just basically it's like the, the rhythm of a thing. And so the cadence of Shadows of a Dark Past is that there uh, is that you get two episodes and then an interlude. And the interlude, you know, usually kind of explores something that happened in the previous two episodes a little bit deeper and usually is a little bit more about the characters than the action. They're shorter. It's just one scene. Um, and basically they're just to continue furthering the story, but they are very important. And, and the interludes, um, if I'm not mistaken, all so far feature the same two characters doing the same thing. The, the, the interludes we'll be talking about today, you are correct. So we will, we will start talking about the show now. So shadows of a dark past, um, starts uh with with um mark mccain who is a psychiatrist but he calls himself a failed psychiatrist because he's really not like that skilled at the arts of of therapy and and he doesn't have the greatest bedside manner (laughs) he's not always the most professional person in the world um and when we see him in the first scene of the show, he is drunk. He is yeah. drunk. <laughs> and he is rambling and ranting. But what he's ranting about is that monsters, and specifically vampires, are real. They really exist. And he knows this because vampires killed his family when he was younger. Yeah, and this is this is basically his like uh his insurance policy yeah. of audio tape. He says if, yeah, you're, the, if you're hearing this, I'm probably dead. Yeah, he opens it with uh, my, uh, if you're hearing this, I'm probably dead. Exactly. So he's like vampires are real. They killed my family when I was younger and I'm pretty sure that I've realized there's a vampire here in the town where I live, which is a fictional town in Massachusetts called Claysville, named after the founders of the town, the Claytons. And furthermore, Mark believes not only is there a vampire in Claysville, but the vampire he believes to be one of the Clayton family, a newcomer who just moved onto the property recently named Andrew. And so this recording he's making is to sort of be like, I'm going to go confront Andrew because I think he's a vampire. But if I die in the attempt, this is, you know, everyone knowing this is who it is. So go get him. And from there, we then hear Mark go the next day, the next night to confront Andrew. And at first he tries to be all coy and be like, I am the family therapist. And I just want to let you know that, you know, we can, you can, you've got, I've got a family retainer. You can talk to me about stuff if you want. And And that's true. You know? Right. And Andrew, yeah. And Andrew's just like, no, thank you. I don't really want any part of it. Goodbye. <laughs> Mark pulls the whole like, excuse me, I got to use the bathroom. Um, and <laughs> when he comes out, he whips out a cross on Andrew, which, of course, Andrew immediately recoils from confirming the suspicion that he's a vampire immediately. And but with almost no fight whatsoever, he just kind of gives in. It's like, fine, okay, I confess, I'm a vampire. You're here to kill me, just get it over with. And Mark's like, uh, I'm not here to kill you. I <laughs> want to just talk to you about stuff. He's and expecting so him to pull a wooden stake out at this point, right? <laughs> right, right. 
so of course they have this so so they have a really really you know tense conversation um but mark sure enough leaves without you know any harm to andrew and andrew sort of like you know he he wants mark obviously wants to talk to him again because he's so fascinated and he sees andrew as this he's not as you know he's not a monster he's not inherently evil Right. He, Mark has this thing, vampires, he doesn't believe them to be inherently evil. It's only if the person under the fangs is also evil. And this first conversation, even though Andrew is very like, you know, he's belligerent in places, he isn't like violent. And so as we come into episode two, it begins with Mark driving away from this conversation going like, strangely enough like that's that didn't go at all like how i planned how i thought it was gonna go you know it's like first of all i've i'm still alive and, exactly <laughs> and secondly i think and, i think i kind of like this guy yeah well and one of my favorite parts of that little sort of coming away and processing through what he's just encountered is that he was expecting you know a vampire for andrew to be tall dark mysterious brooding with this you know maybe even european accent optional and everything and it's like but he's just a normal guy he's mark says he's shorter than i am um he didn't come all he gives anything but confident you know he's not at all what i expected out of a vampire you know and so the um, so in episode two, we then hear um, Andrew interacting with someone named Stanford, who he seems to have some amount of, you know, persuasive power over, who clearly knows that he's a vampire, but can't do anything about it. And Andrew forbids Stanford from speaking or interacting with Mark under any circumstances if he comes back. In fact, uh, uh, Stanford is unable to say a certain word. Yeah, he try. He basically tries to say vampire, and, and he just like we chokes. choking. Um, well, it's it's one of those things where I kind of am trying to give the, the allow it allow the audience to interpret why he's choking. Maybe Andrew's got his hand around his neck. You never know. <laughs> I suspect we might find out though. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So basically, episode two largely revolves around after that, it revolves around um, Mark later being like, Andrew is not talking to me. He has not reached back out to me. He hasn't killed me, but I still know nothing more than I did. So attempting to learn more about the situation, Mark interviews Toby Clayton, who is the youngest of the the Clayton family that lives in who lives there now. He, you know, since Mark is on retainer, he's been Toby's therapist for years. So they already have a rapport. And Toby is this awesome to listen to um smart ass with a huge snarky side who does not take off anybody. So over a drink, he has a conversation with Mark where he tells about when in the night that Andrew first showed up on the property and claiming to be a long lost relative with some ancestry website papers. Um, and the matriarch, um, Holly Baumgartner, uh, took a liking to Andrew and by the end of his of that first visit had offered to let him stay at a uh, stay in the house that he's now in on the property the very night that they met which toby then goes on to point out that his father david who does not have the power in the family is furious over that and is and just hates andrew thinks he's an imposter there to steal the money and can't stand that holly is letting him stay 
So it sets up this like this rivalry where Andrew's on the property, but Holly, who's got the real power, is letting him stay because she likes him. Um, and the sort of primary person who wears the Clayton name but doesn't hold the family power yet hates it. And, and so that's this dynamic that's set up on the property. And and Toby is just kind of um, enjoying watching the drama unfold. Totally. Because one thing <laughs> that Toby says in this episode is that he has no great love for the wealth of the family. Um, he does not care about it. He does. He he almost would be he, he says, uh, well, OK, I'll get to that later. But basically, he is he doesn't care. He loves the fact that his dad is so pissed off all the time. <laughs> So basically, that's where we that's where we land episode two with Mark being frustrated that he still doesn't is no closer to understanding Andrew's motivations. And until Andrew's willing to talk to him, what are you going to do? Yep. That brings us into interlude one, where we see Andrew interacting with Holly Baumgartner and um, (laughs) who, among being other things, is a cancer survivor who with a medical marijuana card. And in this scene, she uh, convinces Andrew to take a couple of hits off a joint. Um, Not that he knows what it is at first, and she has to kind of walk him through it. But, (laughs) you know, pot, weed, cannabis, hemp. Yeah, I've heard of hemp. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it is this great moment where he's like, you know, where she's he's like, you know, th- she offers him the joint and he's like, I don't want any tobacco. And she's like, who said anything about tobacco? Do you not know what this is? It's a joint. And he's like, uh, a joint. And she's like, it's weed, marijuana, cannabis, <laughs> hemp. And ah, yeah, yeah. No, I know hemp. I just didn't know that you could smoke it. <laughs> um. And so once she gets him a little bit buzzed, she hits him with, son, I'll get right to the point. Are you a vampire? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He's like, what, 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 what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so slightly buzzed on weed, Andrew is confronted with the knowledge that the matriarch of the family, the lady who gave him, you know, the permission to stay here and live here has guessed that he's a vampire. And, and, and not just that, but she's the second person in, you know, recent days to do right that. <laughs> exactly so what one, am i doing punch, first mark then holly <laughs> <laughs> and so of course it while he at first is hedgy with her too she he quickly realizes that she is also just like mark not intending to kill him over it and in fact it's just insanely curious and starts peppering him with questions about the experience including things that are like uh this is getting painful and personal can we not talk about the day that i got killed please yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, everybody so, so wants to know the origin story and he doesn't want to talk about it so much <laughs> well and see here is one of the things that like one of the evolution of the show the first draft of the first season, there were two times that Andrew told his origin story. Once to Mark in episode one, once to Holly in interlude one. Both places he told his interlude, his origin story. But it was so long <laughs> and it gave away so much and felt so much like exposition that I received the feedback just be more vague. Drop it more gradually over sure. time. And as I started writing kind of it that way... To the big reveal. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, he kind of clams up at that and she drops the subject in the interlude ends. 
But that kind of gives him a little bit more confidence that as we head into episode three, he actually does reach back out to, to Mark. And it starts with Mark sort of Mark has this habit of and this is my concession for it being, you know, an audio drama. Why we're hearing things. Mark likes to record himself talking to himself to process through his emotions and his in his, you know, thoughts and stuff now he's just using like the the voice memo app on his phone is that right? yeah okay yeah yeah that's all it is i mean he saves the memos but that's all it is he's just going ding on the yeah. voice memo on his phone i love so the he, um i love the the foley sound effects that you use <laughs> like they're so they're they're the real like they're iphone sound effects and when like when he gets a text i like there and there was a pause in the conversation and I'm like, I'm looking around like, why don't, where's my notification? I thought it was me getting a text and it did it, and it, did it to me t- both times that I listened to that episode. Oh, I'm so glad that you hear that. <laughs> so our, our sound effects are done by David Ortiz, who is the, who's also has an audio drama of his own, a sci-fi show called Entropy, a, um, a sci-fi drama. Um, and he's got a few more projects in the pipeline and he does great work i love having him on on the the crew and you're right the, the the he puts a lot of attention to detail in the sound effects and that's part of what is so good about the show if i am allowed to toot my show's horn so <laughs> <laughs> well of course you are yeah so in episode three it starts with mark sort of trying to figure out why he is so desperate to hear back from Andrew going down everything from, am I attracted to him to, do I have a suicidal desire? Like, why do I want to have this conversation with him so badly? And as he's in the middle of trying to figure it out and edging towards the real truth of the matter, that even he doesn't want to admit that he just wants a friend. Um, as he edges towards that, he gets a text from Andrew, which he later says will go down in history in the history of weird text messages, because you can just imagine <laughs> a vampire from the 18th from the 19th century trying to compose a text message. It sounds like a, a written letter, you know? Yeah. Dear Mark. <laughs> yeah. No, no. <laughs> Dr. McCain. Oh, that's right. Dr. McCain. Dr. Oh, that, McCain, yeah, which is he, in Marx's he thinks figures, that's funny. The only person who thinks I'm a doctor, he calls me a doctor and he's a vampire. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so that was like Andrew, option number D, wasn't it? Yeah. D <laughs> option. <laughs> Hypothesis D by Mark McCain. <laughs> so you find So he gets the text and Andrew's like, okay, okay. I, I was a little abrupt earlier. You can come back and we'll have another conversation. And so Mark comes back and they're, they're talking to each other, but you can tell they're both still a little bit nervous. Like, you know, you can hear in their voices that they're still guarded against each other. Andrew may not be threatening Mark. Mark may not have the cross, but they're still, they're still kind of adversarial just a little bit, especially when Mark opens up by asking Andrew if he likes being a vampire. <laughs> oh yeah. That pisses him off pretty. Oh yeah. Pretty. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is uh this episode is a huge info drop. Yeah. On many levels, this conversation between second conversation between Mark and Andrew. And one of the things that uh, I want to draw attention to about the very thing I was just saying, the, the do you like being a vampire and Andrew getting all irritated and and he goes through this laundry list of this is the stuff about being a vampire that that I hate. Yep. People who know Dark Shadows will recognize that this is an homage to Dark Shadows. Um, I don't remember 100% if this conversation happened in the show because I haven't in my watch, my rewatch through, I haven't gotten this far. 
but at least in um in the 1991 reboot and possibly in the 1970 movie house of dark shadows barnabas collins has a similar speech of the things that that are his burdens in being a vampire, not being able to see the sun, not being able to see himself in, uh, see his reflection in a mirror, not being able to touch people without, you know, feeling the blood, lust, to, that yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> so this, uh, this, you know, impassioned, this is what being a vampire does to me is an homage to dark shadows. One of many, one of many. So, um, and you're right, this conversation, Andrew does open up a bit more. He explains how being a vampire was not his choice. I mean, and, and very much like how bad this has been for him. And he, you know, and Mark actually opens up a bit more about his experiences and that it wasn't just, you know, saying they killed the vampires, killed his family. He opens up. It was both of his parents and his sister. It was his family. Yeah, it like was literally his, his core nuclear family, family yeah. and it happened right in front of his face. And it just like it is so it, it's that sort of wow. Now I understand like why Mark is the way he is, you now, know. Does does he not explain how he survived that? Um well, he says that he was him remember the with the whole he's got scars, he was bitten. He mm. was feeding stock. Okay. So the vampire was feeding on him, drinking a little bit of his blood at a time, making him uh, the, its slave, but then it actually just straight up murdered his family. And he escaped. He has not opened up as to exactly how that happened yet. It's a painful memory. I can hope right. you understand why. <laughs> but let's just say, and this is a little bit of knowledge here, the actor who plays Mark, Carl, who I've talked about many times before, is a good friend of mine. Um, when we were uh, going through the like the early planning and rehearsal process in season one, I knew that he needed to know more than the audience does about exactly what went down and how and why. And so I, being also a prose author, you know, fiction author, I wrote the narrative of what happened to Mark as a teenager, how the vampire came to not only get to him, but his family, too. It was hard for me to write because it's very, very tragic and violent, and it was hard for him to read, but he read it. So he and that so that story exists and the actor knows all of this. So when he's telling you when he when you're hearing Mark talking about what happened to his family, the actor knows exactly how traumatic an event it was. And I promise you, the reactions are spot on. (laughs) (laughs) Behind. And it's just one of those things. It's nice to know that the actor knows the true backstory. Oh yeah, no, no, for for yeah, no, I agree. I think I think it's better that he that he knows than he doesn't know. Yeah, behind the scenes, exactly. And this is the kind of stuff I wanted to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode ends though with the well, the interview ends rather abruptly when Andrew it has a haggard moment. <laughs> the Chanel said that. Should not have said that. <laughs> Andrew has one of those moments where he says something that he realizes let a little bit more slip than he meant to. And Mark picks up on it quickly and panicking. Andrew's like, I, you got to go. Mm-mm, this interview is over. Get out. 
which of course bothers Mark. And he, and he, we, the episode ends with him being all like, man, I hit a nerve. I wonder who this is. And who it boils is, down. Who is she? Exactly. Yeah. The interview ends because Mark grumbles about Andrew, not making friends and knowing how to open up. And Andrew grumbles something about, I wish that were so he's like, wait, what? Like, oh, wait, no, sorry, didn't mean to say that. And he and he said, he says, it's all about safety. It's not you. It's not you, but me that she wants. And like he said, Mark pounces. Wait, wait, who's she? Uh Who's she? (laughs) And and Andrew's like, nope, zip. Nope, you're gone. Because at this point, he's explained to Mark how he became a vampire. And and that uh, he had. Oh, that's right. Is in is is episode three where he drops that he tells Mark the name of his attacker. Did I do that in episode three? That's what I have in my notes. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, oh, I, I only didn't bring it. I wasn't trying to hide it. I was bringing. I, I I was waiting until it came up, but it does come up here. Okay, so in the process, you're right. In the process of this conversation, Andrew does finally tell a condensed version of his origin story of how he became a vampire, including finally revealing the name of his attacker, the vampire that made him a vampire. And that name he reveals is Zachariah Clayton, which this is the way that Mark reacts. You're supposed to catch on that Zachariah Clayton is as far as local Claysville Clayton family history goes, literally the most famous Clayton, perhaps besides the, the, the founder himself who has ever lived in this area. And so, and he, and Mark's like, I'm not even a member of the Clayton family. And even I know Zachariah's yeah. story. I thought he moved to England or moved to Europe <laughs> because that was the story that was told. That was the cover story. That was the cover story. And this is another one of those people who know Dark Shadows recognize that Zachariah is the parallel to Barnabas Collins. Basically, it's the same sort of, wait, 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 wait a minute. Barnabas, I thought that, wait a minute. I know his story. He moved to England, didn't he? So this is that I know Zachariah. He moved to Europe, didn't he? And so it's like, yeah, that was what everybody, you know, the family wanted everyone to believe. But nope, actually, he was a vampire and he killed me. (laughs) But he didn't stay a vampire. Exactly. So we find out here also that somehow Andrew caught up to Zachariah um, later on. And he was a human somehow having been cured of his vampirism. And in fact, he and his wife, who this is again for since I'm pointing out the Dark Shadows parallels, his wife, Dr. Lindsay Rainier, is intended to be the parallel to Dr. Julia Hoffman, who cured Barnabas of vampirism. So that's kind of where I'm going with that. But they but the two of them had secret lives as vampire hunters, and they literally captured Andrew and tried to cure him. And it may very well have worked for all that he knows, but he was so <laughs> angry that he surprising is, even himself, he burst out of his restraints and he killed both Zachariah and Lindsay. Yeah, he's got some uh, problems controlling his his vam- vampire anger. Yes. And that is one of the most important things to know about Andrew is his temper really leads him to some dark places. Well, in the yeah, and and, and the first time we really see it or hear about it, it's it's responsible for him being in the situation that he's in that he you know hating being alive and being a you know being immortal and being a vampire like if he had just let them finish what they were doing it may very well have worked he even admits it may well have worked the problem was he was so angry he couldn't let it go he burst out and he killed them both of them so this is one of those and he and he says that that right there 
happened just before he came to Claysville. So basically him killing Zachariah and Lindsay happened just before season one begins. And that's one of those moments I want people to sort of have to think, whoa, that happened right before we started hearing about it. That's, that's just, I want that moment to sink in, you know? (laughs) So the episode ends with the, who is she pondering Mark wondering what would a person have to be to freak out a vampire? which is a good question. What would a person have to be to freak out a vampire? Yeah, because, uh, you know, after this Zachariah... No, no, no. Uh, yeah, yeah, Zachariah. I'm getting Zachariah yeah. and Barnum is confused. After, the, <laughs> after this origin story, you know, now he drops she. Wait a minute. Shouldn't... Didn't you just tell me all the important people <laughs> that I should be aware of in, in your backstory? No, there's uh-huh. somebody else. Who is that? And, and at first, we don't know the answer. No, because so then, the, the, because the temper flares up again. Yep. At, the at temper his... flares and he's like, nope, you got to go, Mark. I'm not ready to talk about this yet. <laughs> so episode four, which I want to be clear that episode four, despite the fact that I would say perhaps isn't objectively the best episode of the first season, episode four, A Handful of Thorns, is my personal favorite okay. episode of the season. And why is that? Because it is the most poignant character driven episode of all of it. And since I am the voice of Andrew writing this and putting myself in Andrew's place, what he puts himself through in this episode just draw drags the pain and tears out of me too, because he is me. It's said that authors put themselves into everything they write. And it's very true. And while Every character in Shadows of a Dark Past has some aspect of me inside them. Andrew is very clearly the most direct avatar of myself within the universe. It's very much like what would have happened if I had been born in the 18 in 1870 and then attacked by a vampire. <laughs> I had, literally it's what would I do? Sure. And so at this point, Andrew has come to a place of realizing he can't keep everything from Mark. Mark's coming over more more often. He is starting to understand Mark isn't going to hurt him. And he is finding himself wanting to respond, but he knows there's this really unpleasant thing he needs to get out in the open. And that's where episode four comes in. It begins hearing Andrew getting out of his coffin at night. <laughs> yeah, the, and, the, the stone slab yeah. grinding across. <laughs> I love it. (laughs) Uh, And so he gets out and he, and it starts with him ruminating that he, he doesn't want to do what he, what he he's about to do. And that if this is sort of the, as he calls it, the end of everything, it's no more than he feels he deserves. And he ends by saying, he knows no matter what, that it is what he must do. He he knows it's the right thing, even though it's going to kill him. Not literally, but he knows it's going to hurt, but he has to do it. He has to, he has to confess something he has to uh get, get something get, off get his something soul. out out in the open with mark <laughs> yep so that so, uh, so that he doesn't feel guilty uh-huh because he's already getting that feeling yeah and here here we come back to uh <laughs> andrew dealing with the uh the effects of him unleashing his temper yep yet again uh-huh. so we after he comes out of his coffin and sort of steals himself for what he must do he he calls back out to stanford again um, who is in the middle of eating? <laughs> Can't marry eating, preach. <laughs> poor Stanford. <laughs> oh yeah, poor Stanford. We get poor Stanford a lot. 
<clears throat> now he's a Clayton or no? No, no. Stanford is Stanford Jameson. He is oh, not that's right. part of the family. He just, uh, he's a caretaker. Well, we're getting there. Okay. So he, Andrew tells Stanford that Mark is coming over that night and changing the previous marching orders of you're not to interact under any circumstances. Basically he says tonight, wait. And when I tell you be ready, <laughs> everything changes after tonight. And dun, dun, dun. I wanted so badly for the uh, listeners to be like, what does he want any Stanford to do? <laughs> what, what's about to happen? <laughs> what I must do. Stanford will be ready. I don't like the sound of this. You know, I want people to be nervous. And so the rest of the episode is Mark's next meeting that evening with Andrew. And it starts innocuously enough where Andrew's like, you seem to really get fascinated by the things that I can do because I'm a vampire. So here's uh, one of the things I'm going to tell you about that I can do. I can mind control. Mm -hmm. I can hypnotize people with my voice and my eyes and Mark, like the, I'd like to bring in um, one of my friends called it, uh, called it uh, idiot energy that Mark has. <laughs> Mark has, uh, you know, is early on in befriending a vampire and he, the vampire says, I can control people's minds. And Mark says, do it to me. Yeah, exactly. Control my mind. Come on, show me, show me. <laughs> do your parlor trick. <laughs> and so though it takes a bit of convincing, Mark, you know, Andrew says, um, okay. And so he hypnotizes Mark. And in that moment when Mark is under, we hear what I refer to as the monster. Capital M the monster the dark side coming out of andrew because because he kind of like in making sure that mark's really under he's like you know who and what i am and mark's like yes you're andrew and you're a vampire and he kind of chuckles you're a vampire <laughs> <laughs> and andrew's like yes and he's like and you do not fear me and mark's like no I trust you. And that's when the monster comes out. He's like, yes, you do. <laughs> you willingly allowed me to put you under my control. I could like do anything I want to you right now. Yeah. You get the like, sense that he's debating with himself, like the monster and, it's, and, and it's regular like the, Andrew. It's a Smeagol Gollum moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's debating with himself because the monsters, the monsters even like, yeah, you're recording me, but I mean, you're under my control. You, I could tell you to delete it. You wouldn't even, hesitate and then i could kill you and yet you're still just sitting here in front of me like a goof you know <laughs> <laughs> and so the smeagol side wins out and he's like i i guess that's why i can't help myself but to start to trust you you know but to like you but you know doesn't mean my own trust can be so blind and he asked for mark's wallet and i want to just I guess it's one of those things that I want to acknowledge that then and even up to the end of the first season, I do not tell you why he wanted Mark's wallet or what he got out of it. Oh, I just took it, uh, took it as a, a, the thing that sign of trust. No, just that, that, that like he, he has that debate between Smeagol and Gollum and, uh, and, and Smeagol wins out, but he needs to do something to demonstrate that the mind control hypnosis has worked. To Mark, so he's mm. like, "Give me your wallet," you know, because so that then he can then show it to him. Like, this is what I did when you. Okay, were, it's an interesting were, read. I had not under. thought of that. The reason that I wanted to bring it, make it a little more obvious, is that you know he says, you know, he says, "Give me your wallet," and Mark says, "Here," and he says, "Yes, that will do nicely." But he's like looking at something. Yeah, 
and he's hesitating. So I, I guess, you know, I, I'm, it's not spoilers because sooner or later it may come to light what that was. But basically, it, there's a reason that he asked for the wallet. But finally coming out of it, he he says, all right, Mark, wake up. And Mark's like, what, what did you do? Did you have me dance like a chicken? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just the so, first thing he thinks of. <laughs> just so you know, that's one of those things where a lot of my uh, actors, you know, read the script as it is. Carl is an ad libber. I love that about Carl. And the did you have me dance like a chicken was one of the ad libs. Nice. I did not write that originally, but it was so good. I'm like, do it, do it that way. <laughs> Uh, so once Andrew assured Mark that all he did was take his wallet and here it is back he says there's another kind of mind control that you need to be aware of and of course Mark's like cool do it to me yeah doesn't even know what it is <laughs> bring it on <laughs> and, Mar- and of course Andrew's like uh, you, you don't know? even know what it is yet <laughs> <laughs> and he's like yeah, I'm not doing this to you Mark because this is something that and that is much more intense and he starts edging into and it's something you already are aware of you're already acquainted with it this is blood control and now i need you to meet someone stanford <laughs> come in the room please oh and so stanford comes in and andrew has to admit that stanford is his blood slave that and he t- and basically, of course, Mark, having himself been a blood slave to a vampire, is instantly horrified and disgusted by this and starts getting very angry, understandably. <laughs> and as Andrew tries to semi justify it as Stanford's a lazy freeloader that Holly was letting live here free of charge, the house was you know, was looked like an episode of hoarders. Um, I was going to let him stay here, you know, left to his own devices, but literally I woke up my first night staying here and he was snooping in my room. Yep. got angry and I bit him. And <laughs> once I was already, you know, latched on, it was either stop and he becomes a blood slave or keep going and he's dead. Would you rather I have done that? <laughs> in the midst of all this, of course, Stanford trying to seize on the distraction because he of course hates what's happened to him you know, pulls out a knife he's hidden and tries to stab Andrew. But of course, Andrew stops him and forces him to drop it. And then, you know, Stanford tries to then appeal to Mark, who's of course like, yeah, yeah, let me help you out. And then Andrew just like orders Stanford out of the room. (laughs) And, you know, he basically Mark is just so furious over this. And even though Andrew is like, I understand why you're angry. I don't blame you for being angry. I know why you are. I agree. It's an awful thing. I feel horrible. I'd let him go if I knew how to do it. I've never done it before. I don't know how, but none of that can make Mark feel any better. None of it at all. And getting fed up, he just cuts Andrew off in the middle and storms out and just leaves. Yeah. Mark is pissed. And that is why that episode is my favorite. Yeah. Because it's, it's all of that interplay. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, when we were recording that scene where where Andrew brings out Stanford, me and Carl and Edward, the you know, standing around doing that scene. Oh, you can imagine it was so much fun. Were you in the same room together? Yes. Yes. Oh, we cool. were in the we recorded that scene all together. In the first season, there is only there there were only two times that I used a little bit of audio trickery to get people that 
you know, to be in the same scene who weren't together. One of them is not even live yet. It's actually in episode nine coming up. Okay. So I'm not even going to talk about that one. The other one is in episode seven. So we're not talking about it now, but we will. (laughs) But other than those two times that I will talk about next time, every other scene in episode one, if two people are in the scene together, they were in the room together. Okay. So episode five, where the last one we'll talk about today, episode five begins. Um, no, wait, sorry. Interlude two. Sorry. Yeah, Hitting yeah, interlude yeah. two next. My bad. Interlude two. So interlude two is another Andrew Holly scene. And so Holly is once again up, you know, out smoking her joint and Andrew's like, Hey, um, can I have some more of that this time too? Because <laughs> <laughs> like I could really, really use, uh, you know, some some soothing. I am in a bad way right now. A- Andrew's had a bad day. It's I don't intend it to be literally the same day as episode four, but it's very rec- it's very soon after. It's oh like, yeah, yeah. You can tell yeah. he's he's upset. After, yeah, it's about what's, it's fresh. What's happened? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pain is fresh, and, and he's uh, miserable. And it's one of the, and during the conversation with Holly, it starts to become clear that even though I don't even think Andrew realizes it yet, but he is already starting to lean on Holly as a confidant and an emotional support. Even he doesn't see it yet, but he is totally starting to open up to her at this point. And I think by the end of the scene, he realizes it though. Especially in inter- by interlude three, he realizes it. But in interlude two, yeah, he start- by the end of the scene, he's starting to get that she's actually really supportive to him. And in the course of it, he start he acknowledges that he didn't come to Clayton Mill looking for friends. He didn't come to be part of this family so that he could, you know, cozy up with with someone who's not part of the family. He only wanted to just kind of set himself up a corner of Clayton Mill and just quietly exist. And that's all he was really looking for. He's but then Mark. He's he's hiding. He is hiding, kind totally of. hiding. Yeah. He is 100% hiding. But then Mark came along and even though it's not what he was after to begin with, Mark has started to make an impression. And now that Mark is angry with him, Andrew realizes, but I just wanted to be his friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that realization. Yeah, they they've now both had that realization. <laughs> that, that they I just that they be see friends. they see each other as friends. But now Andrew also sees, but it's too late and I have ruined it. Mark is furious at me and he will never talk to me again. I have just, you know, I've messed up and Holly's trying to be supportive. And at this point, Andrew does something that I see as he it's basically, even though it doesn't lead to destruction, it is a self-destructive behavior. He tells Holly uh, about, um, he tells Holly about, the fact that Stanford is his blood slave. Yep. I think that that inside Andrew's hoping that will be the straw that breaks the camel's back and Holly will be like, that's too much. You know, you're you're gone. And, and then he something. doesn't he doesn't have to worry about having another human who uh, who, you know, looks up to him or, or, or likes him. Right. But then she's like, mm, that explains a lot. Yeah, I don't that's hate her you. reaction. Her reaction is, oh, that makes more sense now. He's <laughs> yeah. kind of wondering why he was sticking around doing you yeah. know, cleaning the house for you. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I actually kind of thought that when I told him he'd have to be your house cleaner, he'd just move yeah. out, you know, kind of <laughs> hoping for a reason to evict him, you know? <laughs> it doesn't make me hate you. Is that really what you want from me? You know, she's having to ask him, hey, do you really want me to hate you? Mm-hmm. 
and it's here that she finally tells Andrew, look, Mark may, you know, yes, he's angry. He might be able to get over it. And you need to tell him that you still want to be his friend. And so episode five well, then, opens. And then she tells him she loves mm-hmm. him. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. Important point. You're right. It also, she does say that I love you just like I do any other Clayton. And which he can't, blows he Andrew's can't mind. believe it. Wait, He's what? like, what? <laughs> love? You what me? <laughs> How is that and possible? <laughs> and she's like, yes, Andrew, I love you. I, there's many different kinds of love. And, and I'm glad you brought me back to that because I think here's one of the really, Holly's place in this show is to be the voice of family is not blood relation families who you love right she's the voice of that which is one of the things that i personally hold as a value and that's part of why she is that that's she's that part of me she's the family is not who you were born related to family is who you love yeah and all it takes to make someone family is the right kind of love and acceptance that's all it takes and then they're family yep and in interlude two holly tells andrew that you need a family my family's lost their way. We need each other. We're family. Yeah. You were clearly a good person before you were a vampire. The fangs didn't change that. I do love you. You're part of the family. And I think he needs to hear that more than he knows he does. <laughs> and I don't, I don't think she... I mean, anybody would. But, she but. says it explicitly, but this was where, where I started to realize Andrew's awfully hard on himself a lot. Like, that's his, kind of his, his knee-jerk reaction is to blame himself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, 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 and there right are some things does... that he, you know, rightfully blames himself for, but <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a difference between owning responsibility for your actions and, you know, receiving consequences thereof possibly and keeping guilt on yourself unnecessarily. Yep. There's a difference. And Andrew crosses that line constantly. constantly. <laughs> Again, as a note, Authors put themselves in everything they write. And I've told you, Andrew is my avatar in the universe. Tells you something about me, too. So, um, in Interlude 2 ends with... Don't be so hard on yourself, Ando. (laughs) (laughs) Interlude 2 ends with Holly encouraging Andrew to call Mark and tell him, I still want to be your friend. And she acknowledges he may not want to hear it at first, but it means something and you should totally say it. So, episode 5 opens with us hearing what i constantly refer to as andrew's pathetic voicemail (laughs) because we hear mark you know we we hear andrew leaving this voicemail for mark where he's basically like it's andrew andrew clayton (laughs) (laughs) reminding you who it is um and i basically it's like i still want to be friends if you could possibly forgive me and as he's talking you can hear him talking himself out of it and the you hear him sink right back into the but you hate me and i'm never going to talk to you again so have a nice life goodbye forever you know you hear him just give up on everything yep. in the voicemail then the next thing we hear is it's been I, I i think i was saying it's been at least a few days maybe a week or so have passed since since the mark met stanford and now during the daytime, Mark goes back to where Stanford and Andrew live at the old schoolhouse. And I love the scene where he tries to, where he basically knocks and tries to talk to Stanford because Stanford is just like, oh, you're here. You want to talk to Andrew. It's daytime. He's still asleep, you know. <laughs> and Mark's like, no, I want to talk to you. And Stanford's like, oh, you want my life story too? No, thanks. None of your business. 
I just love the interaction because Stanford is just having none of Mark's bullshit. Just he doesn't want any of it. Not a bit of it. And and Mark is trying so desperately to reach out like, I know what you're going through, man. We're pals. We should be pals. We should be. I'll help you. And Stanford wants none of it. <laughs> and and that is, that is I love that scene between the two of them. And it basically shakes out with with Mark saying, look. I don't forgive Andrew. I'm furious at Andrew. What he did was wrong, and I'm going to hold him accountable for it. He doesn't know how to cure you. I want him to cure you. I'm promising you, and he swears on the graves of his dead family that he is going to try his best to help Andrew find out how to figure out how to free Stanford without killing either of them. He acknowledges he doesn't know that such a thing exists, so he can't promise it'll work, but he promises to try. (laughs) And Stanford is basically like, yeah, that's that's nice. So here's my promise. One day somebody is going to kill Andrew and I will no longer be forced to hide that I had to help him and you. And when that happens, I'm going to tell everyone you helped him and you're dead, too. Have a nice day. <laughs> yeah. Stanford blames Mark. Yeah. He calls him a reprehensible, uh, an abhorrent. He calls him an awful human being. It's like you're enabling slavery, you know. Which doesn't really make any sense because Mark had nothing to do with <laughs> Stanford's predicament in the first place. And- no, but Stanford's blaming him because now that he knows in Stanford's mind, Mark should be on his side and willing to kill Andrew to free him. Right. Especially once Mark reveals that he himself has, you know, has been a blood slave. He's like, you, if you know what I'm going through, you shouldn't even be hesitating. We should be killing him right this minute. He blames Mark because Mark finds out the truth and doesn't do anything about it. He blames Mark for his inaction. Got it. Mark doesn't agree, though. Sorry, what? (laughs) Mark doesn't agree, though. No, of course not. Mark's, <laughs> Mark doesn't agree at all, but still. So then we come to what will, will be the final scene that we talk about on today's show. The, the, so Stanford has socked off and Mark just hangs out in the old schoolhouse, waits for sunset. And when sun sets, Andrew comes down and Mark confronts him. And this scene is one of those that another one I had – it was a very emotional one to record because, you know, I'm standing there across from Carl as he is just berating me. And I'm trying to be the character internalizing this guilt that I basically feel I deserve. Like every basically through this entire scene as Mark is like, what you did was wrong. I won't forgive you. Nothing you can do can make up for it except for letting Sanford go. And I'm just like, I know you're right. I deserve this. You're so right. I deserve every bit of this. And Mark's like, no, you're not supposed to be agreeing with me. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) He's like, your words are fair. You're right there. Fair. You know, (laughs) and I dispute nothing. Of course you don't. You know, like he's it's that's that awful. Like it's hard enough when you're angry at someone and confronting them. But then when they're like, you're right. You've got every reason to be angry. You're like, stop agreeing with me. <laughs> I mean, he goes so far as to threaten Andrew. Yeah. Well, he he basically says, you know, if you the 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 ultimate he delivers the ultimatum. He's like, I recognize that you, you know, I, I understand you don't know how to free Stanford aside from, you know, dying. And I'll grant that. 
I'm going to help you figure out the truth because if you're not trying to free him, if you are not at least attempting, that says to me, you're okay with the arrangement, which I am not okay with. And if you're okay with the arrangement, I am not okay with you being alive. I will kill you and I know how. It's one of those things where I'm going to tie a dot for viewers here, for, for listeners, that it's, it's an implicit connection, but I want it to be really, really understood. In an earlier episode, when Mark tells Andrew about having been attacked by a vampire in his younger days, he says, it didn't end well for either of us. Aha. Uh-huh. I will kill you. I know, I know how. how. So we can uh, assume that he, ha- he killed the vampire that bit him that is a safe assumption yes and and (laughs) killed his family well and i mean for good reason you know not like he didn't have a good reason for it oh no no (laughs) and so with that threat mark is about ready to say all right bye and andrew's like wait i want to talk and mark's like uh i don't think so pal we're not doing this again (laughs) but andrew manages to snag him literally as mark is walking out the door andrew's like it's about gabrielle (laughs) <laughs> and that's sort of mark stops and goes wait who <laughs> who's gabrielle <laughs> and andrew's like that's the she i was talking about earlier that i wouldn't tell you about if you will stay i'll tell you about her now and mark's just like Ugh, son of a bitch <laughs> i want to get out of here so bad but it's the one and only thing that could keep me here. <laughs> and so though he is very, very belligerent and angry during the conversation, he stays and Andrew reveals a little bit more of his backstory. Apparently the whole deal about Zachariah biting him, um, Zachariah was not bitten by a vampire to become one himself. Zachariah was cursed to vampirism by a witch, a witch named Gabrielle. Oh, a boy. witch named Gabrielle, who, by the way, Andrew, for 50 years after his vampirism began, lived with a witch named Gabrielle. R- romantically, yes. Very romantically. <laughs> and when, and so Andrew. So this is tell- now, this is like over 100 years later. He meets the witch and falls in love with her who happened to be the one who <laughs> cursed Zachariah to be a vampire who then bit Andrew, bit Andrew and turned Andrew into vampire like 125 or so years prior to that him meeting her. Right. So basically the idea here being that, well, it wasn't hundred. It, it was, it was less than hundred years after he got turned into a vampire. Cause I'm basically, oh, I'm that's right. That Cause it, he was already 27 when he got turned. He was like in the 1960s when he met, it was like the late, no, early 1970s when he met Gabriel, Gabrielle. That's okay. when it was. Yeah. And he was transformed in 1897. So, you know, less than a hundred years. Oh, that, but anyway. That, yeah. So he was, uh, was, he was born in 1870. Right. So and can he we was assume killed he was, in 1897. He was 27 when he was killed quote-unquote killed so yes. did you do that on purpose make him a member yes. of the 27 club yes okay awesome well you said <laughs> member of the 27 club like 20 it's it's because 27 is weird al's favorite number so it's always been my favorite number so oh. when i it's it's sort of like i made him 27 when he died for that reason no i was but talking about also, like all the the famous music musicians that have died at the age of 27 it was partially that too okay it was it was a little both but there's also an, uh, a Dark Shadows parallel in there because in the original version of this 
fiction story that I wrote when it was still a Dark Shadows fan fiction. It was 1897 because that is one of the time periods that was a time travel device and Barnabas was out as a vampire because Barnabas was the one who bit Andrew in the original version. Ah. So basically it being 1897 is one of the other things that draws it into Dark Shadows. So anyway. Fun fact. Fun Be- fact. Behind the scenes. That's why I like doing this. So basically. <laughs> no, no. The Be- way- behind, behind the shadows. <laughs> so the way that it goes down with things is, you know, after Andrew has been turned into a vampire, he he's tell I, I'm pretty sure that he has by this point in the season, he's already mentioned that he like watched his his wife and children move on past him and they eventually, you know, got their grow old and move on. He watched his wife die and just like heartbreaking. He finally, you know, stopped watching their lives and met Gabrielle. And they were together for 50 years. So I guess that would have not been in the early 70s, late 60s. Anyway, point that I'm getting at is and that came to a crashing. Hmm? No, go ahead. I was just going to I was going to jump around on you. Yeah, that came to a crashing halt when Andrew was captured by Zachariah Clayton, because he now expands on the story. He already told Mark something he glossed over before. Mm-hmm. It was like after he killed Lindsay, while he basically had his hands around Zachariah's throat, but before killing him, he was like, who made you a vampire? His hope was that that's why he didn't want to be cured that way, because he wanted to kill Zachariah as his revenge. And then whoever made Zachariah basically go down the line, kill all the vampires that led to him. And that would free him. That's his hope is that that would make him human. I mean, there's no reason that he there's nothing that gives him that understanding. And uh, like, I'm not as saying as a creator that that would have actually worked. But that's what Andrew thought. He thinks that for some reason. For some reason, it's yeah. one of those things. He just assumes it. He has no basis in that. It just he thinks because, that's the way it'll work. Because when it comes to the whole blood slave thing, he admits he doesn't know how it works. Exactly. He's completely ignorant of how vampirism works. He's making guesses. <laughs> <laughs> but when he asks Zachariah, who made you a vampire? The answer he gets is a witch named Gabrielle. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> and he's like, you mean, and he's thinking, you mean the Gabrielle that I am currently involved with? And he makes Zachariah say her name two more times to make sure that it's the right person. And it is the right person. Now, did he know she was a witch? I'm yes. assuming. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He knew she was a witch, but he didn't know that about she was, her past. Right. Yeah. He didn't know that if you tie the line back, essentially, the, the, what this means for him is that even though, at least as far as anybody can tell right now, she had no knowledge ahead of time that her curse to Zachariah would one day influence Andrew, who wasn't even born when she did it. Like, it's not that she necessarily knew ahead of time, but because Zachariah wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have been a vampire, wouldn't have bitten Andrew if she hadn't done it, that instantly ties it to it's her fault. Yep. Gabrielle is the one who's responsible for all of this. She's the one that has to die for me to be okay. There's that temper again. So he kills Zachariah at that point. Yeah. (laughs) And instead of going back home to Gabrielle, he runs off to Clayton Mill because that's the one place that he and Gabrielle swore to each other. They would never go back because you know, we at this point know Andrew's tragic history in Claysville and why he might never want to go back for the bad memories. Even though we don't learn anything about Gabrielle's history yet, there is the understanding that she has she has drama there too. Yeah. 
and never wants to go back. And so he's like, I ran back here because even though it's painful, maybe she won't find me. Maybe she won't look for me. Maybe she'll leave me alone here. But the reason that he's telling Mark all of this stuff is that he's starting to get paranoid. That even though it's now been months since he ran and he hasn't heard anything from her, he hasn't seen or heard a single word from her. And she doesn't but, know why he ran. Right. He had never said anything. He or just at least disappeared. As far as he knows, she doesn't know. Right. She, he just vanished as far as she's concerned. So he's like, knowing her, I'm worried that this isn't over. <laughs> I'm worried that she's not going to take lightly to me just running away. And I'm really, really worried that even though I haven't seen her yet, she's stalking me. I'm worried that I've like, you know, heard her laugh or seen her, you know, caught her eyes, but I look around and then she's never there. So like, I'm, I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. Yeah. He feels like she's haunting him. Yeah. And so he has no peace right now. Maybe, maybe this wasn't the best place for me to go. Maybe it turns out this was the most obvious place for me to go hide. (laughs) <laughs> well, Andrew doesn't come to that, but it's something that it the seems, audience should, yeah, yeah. should be like, oh, Andrew, really, really, <laughs> you really think she wouldn't under- know where you're going? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> so <laughs> this episode ends with Mark almost reluctantly having to acknowledge, believe it or not, <clears throat> I actually know somebody who may be able to help you with this. And even though he has to say no promises, She's a little eccentric, but she does know about the supernatural. She knows and, about witches. And so Andrew's like, if there's even a chance that she can help, I'm willing to see her. Just don't tell her I'm a vampire. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's all it comes down to. And so after that, Mark is like, so is that all that you want to talk about tonight? And Andrew's like, yeah, I guess so. And so coldly, Mark's like, then good evening, sir. Yeah, but. You know, he realizes Andrew's playing along. Yeah, he's going along with it. And, uh, you know, he's he's kind of he feels responsible now because of Stanford. Now he's uh, he's he's he has to see this through. He has to help. He's in it. He has to help Andrew. Yeah, he has to help uh, try to make Andrew do the right thing. Yeah. And it's like he doesn't want to be in it, but he's in it now. So even though there's a, a few more episodes that have been released for the sake of, of timing, because I've been talking about this for a while now and, and, you know, getting, you know, getting the rest of the season live, we're going to, we're going to cliffhang this, this talk through of the first season um, at this point. So basically where we'll pick up next time is Mark is going to contact this friend of his that he's referring to, to try and help Andrew learn how to protect himself. If Gabrielle really is seeking him out. Awesome. And I've, you know, a few of these episodes are are already out there now and I've listened to them. You're you're already there. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's good. It's getting good. So is there is so I want to make sure that I don't overlook any of the things that reactions or questions or anything that discussion you want to have about things. I I've been able to talk about this show, you know, to people, but I am so desperate to get feedback. I can't wait. So like I know you've already given me some of it, but bring it on. Anything else that you want to talk about? Anything you want to enthuse over, ask me about, bring it on. Well, I have I have a lot of like vampire specific stuff that I okay. just don't understand because I just don't know. 
I'm not that. Well, then let me real quick disclaim that vampires being kind of a very, 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 very commonly used um, trope. Vampire mythology is not the same from one to another. Like about the only thing that is the common element among vampires is they drink blood. Right. Like even being out in daytime, garlic, crosses, mirrors, silver, wooden stakes, different franchises treat vampires different ways. So basically, I kind of feel like I have a lot of leeway to treat it how I want to. But that does mean that I open myself to questions like, well, so do vampires in your universe operate this way? So feel free to ask those because I understand I may have to clarify. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't beat it to death. I'm going to save some of this for the next time. Um, okay because i know we're running long but you have this, me on your show you knew you were going to run long no <laughs> no, no yeah and, and we talked about that before <laughs> it was anticipated um okay episode three episode three the big info drop where um mm-hmm. where andrew lists lists all of the positives and negatives about being a vampire <laughs> mostly negatives even mm-hmm. the positives are negatives um <laughs> He says, once the sun rises, he is literally dead until it sets. Mm-hmm. So you want me to clarify what I mean by that? And that, and that uh, his heart doesn't beat, he says at another point. Mm-hmm. Had my heart uh, not stopped beating over a century ago, yes. it certainly would have stopped at that point. Exactly. When so, he learned that Gabrielle was the one who turned Zachariah. Yeah, can you, ex- can you explain uh, those two things? Because they seem so to be related. The way that I <laughs> under the way that I'm treating vampires in in Shadows of a Dark Past is that their mortal body is literally slain. It is killed at the time of their death. When they're turned into a vampire, heart stops, um, internal organs basically shut down, and the body is dead. The but not, vampire, it's not decomposing hmm? though. Well, that's what I was about to say. The vampire curse portion of it. I have not yet specified whether it is some things treat it like a medical thing, like it's a virus, like even Dark Shadows treated it like a virus. Some treat it more as a mystical thing, like like a curse. Sure. Um, but regardless, it's that. It's whether it's a medical or a supernatural thing. They're the The element that makes them a vampire keeps the body from decomposing and while the sun is down and they are active, their bodies have semblance of life in that, well, you know, the, the heart may not beat and pump blood naturally, but like I basically have it where uh, in my mind, um, while they're feeding it, the, the, like the influx of blood does cause it to get circulated around temporarily just to kind of the new influx of blood. Um, but basically it's, it's a matter of when the sun rises, whatever that spark of, of quote unquote life is that causes a vampire to become active and be conscious and is kept essentially alive is, is suspended or broken that, that cord is cut. And so during the daytime, the body just ceases to have vital functions. So it's not even, it's not even a matter of them having to avoid the sun because they're going to get burned. Because they don't, you don't talk about that. They're just well, like going into I hibernation. Yet, but the sunrise is lethal in my world. Yes, okay. The, the sun is lethal, and I also want to be clear that I that this is also somewhat Andrew because I'm I haven't really right now. Andrew's the only vampire that I've shown 
obviously. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, I'm not trying to spoiler anything into saying there are a bunch more vampires and everybody's different, but I'm also treating it like vampires kind of almost like in an RPG have power that if they hone it and practice it will get stronger and they can do better things. And so I also want to get across that in all of the things that Andrew sees as limitations, he isn't even trying. He's just miserable and stagnant and just existing in his sadness. And assuming things that he doesn't necessarily know to be true. Exactly. And so if he were to learn more about it and put effort into himself, there are things that he might be able to change about himself. So he could he could stay awake past sunset or wake up before or sorry, stay awake past sunrise and wake up before sunset and walk around in 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 the dark inside. Possibly, but he, but he, I have, I'm, I'm trying not to confirm not or to. deny, but I'm trying to say that these are things I'm trying to get across the point that you're right. Andrew is also making a lot of assumptions. And because of how much he hates being a vampire, he isn't even trying to learn about it. So he isn't doing anything to make his life any better, his unlife any better. And I'm trying to say that it's possible that he could make his unlife any better. He'd just have to try. Okay. But at nighttime, when he's when he's awake and active, mm-hmm. is he does he eat? No. So he doesn't poop? No. <laughs> so whatever the uh, mystical force is that's moving things around inside of his body to make him uh, or allow him to be active, it's not, uh, it's not doing anything with his digestion. Well, I mean, he's only eating, he's only drinking blood. Blood as a vampire, which... Which the mystical force converts into energy for him to well, use. Well, I'm kind of saying that would be absorbed in the body. I mean, like, you still, even things you eat get absorbed through your stomach and intestines, and so basically the blood is just absorbed into his body, into his system without, through the mystical force. Without any, any, any waste product. I guess I hadn't thought that far ahead as far as waste product goes, but I... I <laughs> <laughs> I'm just concerned about Andrew because this this all takes place in 2017, and three yeah. years later he's going to have trouble finding toilet paper. Does he need, <laughs> does he need it? I have had people ask me about. <laughs> I have had somebody ask me about like you know shadows of a dark past and 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 lockdown, you know quarantine uh, with the pandemic and everything. And it's like, well, for one thing, I it's set in 2017, and time and so is even, moving kind of slowly. It's day yeah. by day. It's still April, right? It starts in April. Uh, it ends in April. No, this no, no. First it's season? like it's like June or July when the first season ends. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, we haven't heard the end of it yet. So, so basically, what I'm trying to to get at here is there's um there's not much chance that I'm going to have the show in the canon go all the way to 2020. But even if it did, I don't know that I would necessarily write covid into shadows no. of a dark past Why? it just doesn't seem you necessary or You're, useful. We're, we're already in a universe where vampires and witches exists so yeah let's just why is it, it not a, a, a parallel universe honestly i thought you were going to ask me about the dreaming thing oh that, i had that too thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 okay so yeah he says he lists the negatives and then he lists the positives, but in the con or the upsides as he calls them, but in the context that he would trade them all to be able to, to, you know, watch the sunrise, uh, feel another human's touch without the bloodlust and to dream. Mm-hmm. And then Mark goes, wait, you don't dream, you don't dream. And then Andrew goes up, oh, it's my turn to ask questions. And he glosses over it. That is on purpose. 
Um, that is something that uh, is laying the first brick in a foundation that in my original fan fiction prose narrative version of Shadows of a Dark Past, there is a there is a plot arc that happens close to the end of the entire story that involve well, actually no it starts earlier but it, it like culminates towards the end of the story that that this is the first brick for now i've already taken there's an element in the second season of the that i've written that originally in my original story happened much later so just because it happened later in the story in my original version, I'm not trying to retell that exact thing. I'm just picking, ooh, that was a fun plot arc. I'm going to grab that and write it into my podcast. So just because it happened close to the end of my story doesn't mean that I'm going to wait that long to bring it to full fruition. But the point is, yes, you are supposed to take note of the fact that Andrew avoided that question. Okay. And yes, it will come into play later. Interesting. <laughs> something to look forward to something else to look forward to Yay. there's so many things i'd love to be able to tell you to look forward to <laughs> that i just don't want to spoil things i'm just happy that i've got you know such a that you know that you're that you're enjoying it and that you're asking all the questions this is the most fun part for me as the creator of the story <laughs> well let me ask you this did i did are there any questions that i didn't ask that that would lead to you explaining something you wanted to talk about hmm that actually is a very good question. Hmm. So you asked me about Mark and his background. You asked me about Andrew's vampirism, some of his backstory. We've talked a little bit about Gabrielle. We've talked some about Zachariah. We've talked about the parallels to dark shadows. Well, okay. There, there is one thing that I, it's a relatively small thing, but I had wanted to, to bring it up. And, and I, I think I was expecting you to ask this and you didn't yet. So it's about Stanford. Okay. So I've already very much opened up about the fact that this was originally a Dark Shadows fan fiction years and years and years ago. And in recent years, as I've um, made the podcast, I made it original, changed things so it's not Dark Shadows anymore. But of course, there are naturally some things that are the parallels, and I've been pointing those out. One of them that I want to point out um, for people who like Dark Shadows is about Stanford. Now, Stanford is not a character that is supposed to directly parallel a, a character that already was in Dark Shadows the way that uh, Holly Baumgartner was. Um, Stanford was uh, – the original version of Stanford was Stanford Trask. And that name would be familiar to fans of Dark Shadows. Um, in Dark Shadows, there was an entire line. Remember, there was a lot of time travel in Dark Shadows. So we saw a lot of people's ancestors. And there was an entire line of people who were all played by the same actor, because that's how Dark Shadows did things, that was the Trask clan. There was the original Reverend Trask in 1795, who basically was like a, a, an overzealous Salem witch, hunt, Salem witch trial preacher type thing type character um you know very much burn the witch type character um and in other time travel sequences we saw other of the trask clan so when i was writing the original story stanford being kind of the perpetual whipping boy of the story he was stanford trask to be the latest in a line of trasks that were the assholes that kind of get what are what's coming to them so bringing this out into a more original thing, he's now Stanford Jameson. 
that means that he is, you know, an original character, but that does also, that should tell people who know a few things about the Trask line from Dark Shadows to start to see a couple of things that, um, that will, uh, let's see. Oh, episode seven. Mike, you've heard episode seven. The end of episode seven. Yes. A cliffhanger. Well, not so much the cliffhanger part, but you remember that uh, that the two characters find something very disturbing before the cliffhanger. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's important. Okay, I I, I kind (laughs) of kind of thought it would be. Yeah, and I and I. It's one of those things that you're gonna you know you're gonna see more of uh, the the the. basically the the fallout of that in the second season (laughs) okay now the 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 whole uh trask line Mm -hmm. we talked about that actor did we not the jerry lacy did he die oh yeah he's been dead for quite some time um I think he died in like the nineties. Oh, okay. He was, he was, um, in, uh, he was actually also in a Woody Allen movie, um, playing Humphrey Bogart. Uh, it was called played again, Sam. Oh, <laughs> okay. I thought maybe he had died recently because I thought I remembered us discussing, discussing that particular actor mm, who, no, who, no, who Jerry played, who played was... a whole, you know, line of, 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 uh, people in the same family. We were taught, well, I mean, in Dark Shadows, practically everybody played a long line of their own ancestors. Okay, too. so that could have been a bunch of different people. The one I think we were talking about was Louis Edmonds, who played Roger Collins and then all of the like Collins made patriarchs over the years. Okay. And all the time travel sequences. Maybe that was yeah. it. So that character, actually, that character um, is the, the, the basically. In my, if this were Dark Shadows, the Louis Edmonds character in the future timeline would be David Collins, which means in Shadows of a Dark Past, David Clayton. Okay. That's Toby's father. (laughs) Now, David and Amy, Toby's parents, are mentioned on screen, are are mentioned on screen in the show, (laughs) but they do not show up. Originally, I was going to change that and just have them show up later at some point, but I've really been enjoying, it's kind of a trope, the person who's perpetually talked about and doesn't actually show up. It's kind of like the Maris Crane from Frasier sort of phenomenon. So that's kind of the way that I've got David and Amy, at least for the moment is how I'm planning to treat them pretty, pretty permanently is that you're going to hear about them, not actually have them appear. Specifically, we're going to hear Toby talk about how 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 mad uh david is and how 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 yep. much uh, joy he receives from from that my father was an <laughs> ass tonight <laughs> <laughs> yes well awesome well there you go so stay tuned for our next talk through we will finish off the first season of shadows of a dark past that's and right if this is if you haven't listened yet and you stayed through the spoilers and it's just whetted your appetite for the love of all that is Good and decent in the world. Please go listen to it. Get caught up. Definitely. It is uh, so much fun. And I can tell you from experience that the uh, second listen through is even better than the first. <laughs> so if I may ask you a question, who's your favorite character? Oh, boy. Um, 
if mean, it's somebody that we've already talked about, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because I've gotten to know those characters better than, mm-hmm, than yeah. the ones that have been more recently introduced. So I can't. Yeah, that wouldn't be fair to say. I don't know. It's a toss up between Mark and Andrew, I think. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I kind of didn't like Mark the first time around, but on the second listen, he's he's I've really warmed up to him. You know, Katie May's mom told me that at, at, in the first place for like when she was listening early on, when I only had a couple episodes up, she basically was like, he's got this stupid energy about him. And and there were so many times <laughs> that he was doing things. And she said she was literally screaming at the screen. Don't do that. Are you an idiot, Mark? You know, what did you what did you call his energy before? Uh, idiot energy, I think it's just idiot energy. Yeah. I think I think so. Yeah, that was something that a different person gave me. But yeah, she's like she said that like in the first episode when Mark does the whole, you know, Andrew's trying to dismiss him and he's like, can I use your bathroom? And she said <laughs> that she's like yelling at that. You're really going to do the bathroom. That's like the oldest trick in the book, you know, like Andrew well, can see through that. But he was coming up with it kind of on the spot though and he didn't like, know what so, he was doing so he of had course no you're gonna pick of, yeah of course somebody's gonna choose the obvious thing <laughs> right right oh, um man. and then with with andrew what what i love about andrew is um you know he's been alive for what 174 years is that right mm-hmm and um my age is 174 years now i suppose you will tell me that i've aged fine like fine wine (laughs) (laughs) and he he is familiar with aspects of modern day 2017 life and he uses them as tools like Mm -hmm. email and texting you assume he has a smartphone and um but he has to have an email inbox mark curb your surprise yeah right he was cleaning out his spam folder yes i do know what email is um (laughs) but then at the same time it's like he this is my interpretation he's he's aware enough and accepting enough of modern technology to use it to his advantage but he just doesn't care about anything pop culture related and he doesn't he doesn't even bother to expose himself to it like, very, very to the point good. that to the point I, that I he must he must be actively avoiding it <laughs> so i there's there's a thing that's going to come a little more clear i think i might have slightly alluded to it um in one of the conversations with mark but i think there's another aspect another time that it gets more explicitly stated early in the second season but it's not a spoiler so i don't mind bringing it out basically you're right, very much so, that Andrew understands and recognizes modern technology is here, and he sees the use, usefulness of it. He does understand why it's, you know, why he should use it sometimes, but he doesn't like it. He right. is a child of the 19th century. He sees life as being about the people that you're around and building your relationships, not distracting yourself with movies, TV, and Facebook, and all this kind of stuff. And so that's why he just kind of doesn't try very hard as far as exposing himself to pop culture and media and things in that regard, there is one area he gives himself some exposure vampire stuff. Basically he's that vampire that has watched that has watched all of the movies and TV shows that have vampires in them. 
but nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. Yeah, that's right. I wrote, and, I wrote that down because I was like, mm-hmm. he doesn't know Star Wars or X-Files or the word douche nozzle. <laughs> but he knows he knows what uh email is he knows what texting is mm-hmm. and uh but and he knows all about vampire movies and books it's one of those things where he's where that's part of why he's so bad at this vampire thing because instead of seeking out other vampires and learning what does this mean for me how do i go on how learning, do i live learning like the this? reality of it he's only exposing himself to he's, pop culture interpretation it would be like somebody who realizes that they're gay but only watches <laughs> gay movies and tv shows instead of actually talking to the lgbtq community right yeah. and learning what it's like to live in the world as a gay person they've only it's ever making... watched will and grace wow right. can you imagine the the, <laughs> the, the right. warped perspective you would have Right. So it's a person who's had some, and the thing is even comparing it to being gay isn't even true because it'd be, this is something that's been thrust on him. He didn't even want. Yeah. So something that somebody has been thrust into a world that they don't want. And rather than learning about it, all they're doing is watching Hollywood's take Mm -hmm. on it. Of course he doesn't know anything about being a vampire. Of course he's horrible at being a vampire. All he sees is what Hollywood says about it. <laughs> That's why he knows uh he knows to cut Mark off when he starts to say interview with a vampire. You won't let him finish the phrase. Boom. Exactly. Like if all you're going to do is make references and puns, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I do not want any part of that. Like I, I am not Lestat. <laughs> I am not going to be interviewed like that. <laughs> I am not Tom Cruise, damn it. Is that Lestat? I don't know. I've never even seen that movie. Yes. <laughs> Tom Cruise was Lestat. I had a 50-50 shot. It was either Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt, right? Brad Pitt was Louie. Okay. See, I and didn't a even very, know. very I, young Kirsten Dunst. I didn't even know the other name. Um, Kirsten Dunst, who just naturally looks like she has fangs. Which I'm just now realizing. <laughs> oh, boy. No, it's, yeah, it's great fun. So enjoy, so enjoy listening. So listeners, if you haven't already and you've listened <laughs> to all of this, get your, yeah. get your ass to your favorite podcast uh, provider and, uh, or, or the website. S-O-A-D. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a link right here on this episode. Of course there will be. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I can't wait for five weeks, five weeks from now. Because uh, you you have invited me back for Valentine's Day. <laughs> no, no. Ando Valentine's Day. I was giving you the chance to say that one. <laughs> I'm so excited. So, yes, that uh, obviously we'll record it on Valentine's Day and you'll hear it the next Wednesday. But uh, we'll we'll be wrapping up our our review of season one of Shadows of the Dark Past. So look for that. Episode 413. And if you, the dear listeners, have any questions about Shadows of a Dark Past, send them into either, you know, you feel you can ask me, of course, but if you want them answered on Nerdburger, send them Mike. There you go. Nerdburgershow at gmail.com. Uh, as I say, we'll get to the email addresses in momentarily if I'm reading the end of the show correctly. <laughs> That's correct. Because we have one last thing to do today. We do. We have one more thing to do. Actually, we have two more things to do. What's this? Well, then let's get to them. That's right. We don't just have a Kevin question. We have a 
Kevin answer. We do. We do? We do. And I didn't even know. Oh, uh, we do. You I, didn't tell me that. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, I, and, and I neglected to go to go look these up because Kevin has sent us answers before, but I don't think, I don't remember him having sent us this many. So I don't know if he's accurate in his, uh, in his numbering. I, we, I will just have to assume that, that he is. Seven answer. Okay. Kevin answers. <laughs> to answer your question from last week. The TV visible in the picture is a 60-inch TV for video games. The one next to it is 65 inches. This setup does make house shopping an issue. <laughs> You're welcome, Kevin. And if that picture opens, which it did, where did Ando go? Oh, no, I only have one screen on this computer. Help! Zoom! I'm going to share my screen for you. That's why I'm trying to find. I say I had a feeling you were about to show me what you were looking at. So, so this is the picture that Kevin sent. Okay. Now, as you see on the on the very left of that uh, picture, mm-hmm. uh, what do you what do you see there, st- standing tall? Um, very left. It looks like some kind of very tall, like aluminum rod of some sort. Is that a speaker of some kind? <laughs> it you you are correct. It is aluminum. Uh, it is not a rod, though. It is a is pole. It an antenna? It's it's a pole. It's a Festivus pole. Oh, a Festivus pole. Okay. So Kevin sent us a photo of his Festivus pole last week, mm-hmm. or for last week's show, and all we could see was the very left edge of uh, his media center and and that uh, TV. And Jim and I guessed that based on the uh, the knowledge that the Festivus pole is six feet tall, that mm-hmm. um that the TV was a 65 incher, uh, but we weren't accounting for the, the, uh, bezel around it. I guess that is an mm. older TV as, and as Kevin says, that's the one he uses for video games. <laughs> and to the right of that TV is a 65 inch TV with a much thinner bezel. So they are about the same size. Uh, and that is the one that he watches his movies on. And well. we also see, uh, um, kind of balancing out the Festivus pole on the left, on the right, there is a, uh, yarn tree yeah i was about to say something about the the tree (laughs) full of yarn (laughs) yes interesting are those skeins of yarn is is that the correct terminology some of those are skeins of yarn some of them have been you know taken down into balls which oh yeah yeah you're right katie made crochet so i'm used to seeing a bunch of yarn so that's really neat and the thing that we thought was the subwoofer over here on the left was in fact just the left speaker because mm. all the way over to the right in this new photo, we see the right speaker and, and the, the actual subwoofer. subwoofer. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Kevin. Um, I, ho- I hope I, <laughs> I assume sent you uh, since you sent this to me that you don't mind me sharing it. I don't really see anything in this image that would make me think I shouldn't. There's other than the, than the yarn really is in the Festivus pole are the only things that personalize <laughs> this. Uh, really, yeah. So. There There's not go. really anything identifiable in there. No, no, I think it's okay. So um, thank you for answering that question, Kevin. Um, and now we will attempt to answer your question. 177 question. Kevin asks, With the cost and upkeep of a horse these days, could I look any gift horses in the mouth? I am just looking to avoid expensive vet bills from someone trying to unload an ailing horse. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> Ando, were were you previously um, aware of the actual meaning of the idiom looking a gift horse in the mouth? Because I wasn't. I, I have heard it explained to me before, 
Excuse me. I have heard it explained to me before, but I have forgotten. Re-enlighten me, please, Mike. Or do you not know yourself? I, I do know. Oh, here it is. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, according to dictionary.com, don't question the value of a gift. This proverb refers to the practice of evaluating the age of a horse by looking at its teeth. Mm, this okay. practice is also the source of the expression long in the tooth, meaning old. I had no idea, but horses' teeth continue to grow throughout their lives. That's just like a lot of rodents do, like naked mole rats. Also, their teeth never <laughs> stop growing. That's why they. That's why a lot of rodents are always chewing on things because it wears down their teeth since they really? never stop growing. I guess I did not realize horses were also in that category, but I did know that there are a lot of animals that do that. Did you say naked mole rats? Yeah, naked mole rat. That's yeah. the name of a... No, I know. They're, we have them here at the zoo. At the Atlanta Zoo. But naked mole rats do have um, those kind of teeth. There's, watch the uh, true facts about the naked mole rat. It, it, it's great. <laughs> are, you, are you acquainted with the true facts channel? The YouTube channel? Um, maybe? That sounds familiar. It, uh, the internet really loved the uh, honey badger. You know, honey badger don't give a shit. Oh, know? is that it? Okay. Yeah, but the, he does, that same guy does a ton of true facts about lots and lots of different animals. And they're all with this really, really pleasing documentary style narration that has all kinds of funny things in it as well, because he says them with a straight face. Well, not face, but, you know, his voice. It, it's it's great. You, you legitimately learn interesting things. There's also a lot of fun. And they're like, usually less than five minutes they're hilarious i highly the channel that does them the guy it's z frank one uh, z e frank one that's the okay channel it's great i love that channel but he's responsible for the honey badger video i thought so because it's Cause true that, facts about the honey badger because that doesn't your description of his voice doesn't sound like the voice of the guy in the honey badger video it might be a different thing then, but I thought, cause I thought it was the true facts. He also like, he's been doing it for years. And I think that some of the, he's slightly changed a little how he does some of them. I also could be wrong. That could be somebody else, but I thought that he was the one that the true facts about the honey badger. It's in that style anyway, I guess. Yeah. I still think the true facts uh, channel is great. I still highly recommend it. Well, cool. You have to check that out too. So yes, yes, you can look a gift horse in the mouth. Thank you, Kevin, and thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us today for our extra long episode, Shadows of Dark Past Season Next 1, time's going to be one, one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can pretty much assume that, that it's going to happen again, and that's fine, because uh, it didn't seem like we recorded for two hours. No, it, it didn't, like it went but we very, totally very did. Quickly. And hopefully uh, it does that for the listeners, too, and if yeah. not, suck it. <laughs> you know what you get to listen to, to two one-hour episodes of nerd burger this week you just split this one in half yeah there you go ando does that about do it yes that about does it so um, um where all can we find you swear i am like everywhere these days um okay so <clears throat> first off they can find me on um twitter at ando valentine that's my uh, it's my handle there. Um, my podcast, Shadows of a Dark Past, is on Twitter at SOADP Podcast. Um, you can listen to the show at podchaser.com slash SOADP Podcast. Um, if you desire to ask me questions that you don't want to wait to go through Mike to uh, 
have answered, you can email me at andovalentine at gmail.com. <laughs> and I have just recently started doing uh, retro video game streaming on Twitch. I've been playing a lot of Perfect Dark Combat Simulator, and I just started a Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars playthrough that I'm just under halfway finished with. So I've got a few more sessions of that. So if you're interested in seeing me play some video games, you can follow me at twitch.tv slash andovalentine. Mike? They can find us at nerdburgershow.com, at nerdburgershow on the Twitters and the Facebook email, nerdburgershow at gmail.com. On the next episode of Nerdburger, Mike petitions to join AVP, finding out too late that the contract he signed gave Ando Valentine claim to his immortal soul. Will he break free? Does he want to? Find out. Hey, at least you won't dream anymore after that. Hey, I got no problem with my dreams. <laughs> but if you're gonna if you're gonna produce this podcast, I'll uh, I'll do whatever you want. <laughs>